Welcome to the Preacher's Podcast. We are celebrating the Festival of the Reformation in year A, and also starting a short series as the church year comes to a close, a series called The Time In Between. You can read more about that on the foundation uh, resources on wellscongregationalservices.net, uh, but we'll be getting into that a little bit today, the series, and of course, this uh, annual festival that many of us observe. Our preachers for this series are Pastor Tom Spiegelberg from Saving Grace Lutheran Church in Mobile, Alabama, and Pastor Dan Hobbin from Mount Calvary Lutheran Church in Flagstaff, Arizona. So Tom and Dan, thank you for being with us for this series. Uh, Tom, let's start with you. The Festival of Reformation in year A, what's the main thought you want worshipers to be thinking about and taking home with them this Sunday? Well, thanks, Professor. Is it, it's it's Mitchell or just Professor Mitchell? Just John is good. Okay, John. Thank you, John. <laughs> no, it's going to be a lot of fun being here. Uh, we're we're excited to go through the text. Yeah, um, you know, just taking a look at the Daniel. The first thing I did when I sat down and looked at it, and I'm by no means uh, a, a language scholar, but I look back. I I have never preached on this text before in 25 years of ministry. So I'm sure I've done plenty of devotions and told the story plenty of times. But to actually take a look at it from here was was enjoyable, and especially with the Reformation Sunday. So with Reformation, it's a fairly easy, a lot of fairly easy themes. So I kind of struggled with. So what exactly do we bring out on Reformation when we're talking about Daniel and the Lions Den outside of a Sunday school context or something along those lines? And um, I think as, as, as I went through with it, 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 there's there's obvious stuff that comes out. But in time with the Reformation, what really struck me is in the fir- in the early verses, and I'll touch on that a little bit just with the word structure. I'll have you back me up and make sure I got my Hebrew right on that. But uh, just the, the idea of, of Daniel's attitude going into what could have been a miserable and awful experience and ending in death. And so the idea that I kind of played on or that was coming uh, coming into my head it, it was the same thing with uh, Martin Luther as well. So here little Martin Luther stands up to the entire church and things could have gone horribly wrong like some of the reformers that were before him or that just ended being burnt at the stake. But just the attitude that both of them went into it with. Daniel went in with a particular kind of prayer, uh, not really expecting positive or negative outcomes, as far as I could tell. And the same thing with Reformation. So my my idea was to just kind of touch on that. Not that we're always victorious in Christ and God always rescues us from our lions, but rather just a, uh, just a, a humble giving up of our ourselves, uh, humbly coming before our Lord, trusting in him in all things and allowing him to guide us as, as we go forward in our future, whatever may happen. Uh, that's probably a long, a long explanation for what I want to bring out of that. Um, but that's at least a start anyway. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, just getting us a little bit focused on the main theme uh, and the scriptural uh, themes that we have the opportunity uh, to reflect on as we think back to Luther and the beginning of the Reformation. Uh, Dan, could we go to you next just for a quick summary of the gospel of the day and the second reading before we get back to that Daniel reading um, for our sermon text? Could you just uh, remind us of, of the other readings and how they connect with one another? You bet. So gospel reading, Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is sending out the 12. This is part of the greater Galilean ministry uh, after the healing of Jairus' daughter. 
And he lets them know you will be persecuted. All men will hate you because of me. Uh, but then I think the, the Reformation context there is don't worry about what to say when arrested. God will remain with you. More than that, God will give you the words to speak. So you you see, too, you know, why is Daniel able to remain so steadfast? It's not because he was so fantastic, but because God is faithful to his promises. The second reading, uh, Epistle Romans chapter 3, um, classic Reformation text. All have sinned. All are justified. Boasting is excluded. Um, no one would be declared righteous through the law. So that one to me was a little bit harder to, you know, fit into the whole Daniel um, narrative, I guess, but I think it's great to have it. Obviously you can do a little intro, connect that to Luther, you know, when you're doing your um, intro for that reading as part of the worship service. I, I think one thing that I always try to stay away from is making Reformation sermon, a Martin Luther sermon, you know, a church history kind of treatise. Um, but there you could bring in some of the theological, I guess, aspects if you had wanted to. Right. Um, that's always a challenge, isn't it? I mean, it is a historical festival uh, in a sense that we're, we have it because we're looking back on historical events and on Luther himself. But yeah, you don't want to just make it a, a pep rally around Luther. Um, rather, it's kind of an opportunity to get back to some key scriptural truths that the Reformation and Luther highlighted, I think, um, and shine the spotlight on those. Um, well, let's get into our, our sermon text then. Uh, back to you, Tom. Um, yeah, what do you think about preaching on Daniel in the lion's den on Reformation? Uh, can you just share whatever thoughts come to mind or thoughts you uncovered in your text study that might be helpful to preachers? I think preaching on Daniel uh, for Reformation is good, but there's probably a little more to it than that. Yeah. Um, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I, you know, it, it's an interesting text. I don't know if you guys struggle with this, but the, this is obviously one that probably in a larger Christian context is hugely allegorized, right? So you take this 32 or 33 verse narrative, however long that chapter is. Um, and you, it's, it's really easy to turn it into kind of a Sunday school lesson and to just talk about how God saved Daniel from the lion's den and how God will protect us from all of our lions and our lives and stuff like that. So, um, so as I read through it, and I have to admit, it was the first time that I actually went through all the Hebrew leading up to this portion of scripture. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but what what struck me, I think, the most in the text as we were going through were the different ways that prayer in those first few verses uh, came across. And again, I'm not a huge Hebrew scholar, uh, but there were markedly different words that were used in the Hebrew to talk about prayer from when Daniel was actually praying uh, to when his enemies were describing his prayer. And there were some similarities. And I know some of them were kind of Aramaic in background, too, and I'm not an expert in that at all either. Um, but just, I, I think what struck me, and this is, I think, why it struck me, is that when, <clears throat> when, Daniel's, um, when Daniel's enemies wanted to figure out how to get to him, they turned to what he loved most, which was the Lord and, and his regular turning to prayer. And then it talked about when he went to the, when they went to the, the, the king, the word that they used for prayer, I believe was an Aramaic prayer, pretty general prayer talking about supplication 
uh, and asking your God for something. But after the decree was put, I, Daniel came back, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right on this in, in verse 10. And his prayer, he got down like he usually prayed, but it was actually thanksgiving and then a different Hebrew word for prayer, uh, which means just to talk to the Lord. And then after he did that, they, they came back and they, they said, oh, look at Daniel prayed. But the word that they used was the same thing was like supplication or asking your Lord for mercy. And I, I don't, I think it just played out the real difference. Like Daniel wasn't necessarily going to God pleading for his life. Like, like I think a pagan would have looked at pleading for your God on behalf of you, you know, take this away. Daniel was literally doing what he had always done. And he was giving praise and thanks to his Lord, not pleading for his life. Or that's the impression I get from the vocables that were, that were used there. And the reason that comes out, then what plays out in the rest of that verse, and I'm assuming that's why verse 10 and 12 are very vital in the whole portion of scripture is that it all plays out. Like Daniel went into this, just like, this is what I usually do, Lord. Like my relationship with you is because of your grace and your mercy. And I'm just letting go and doing what I always do. And whether I live or whether I die, uh, you know, the same thing that is that uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego said when they got thrown in the lion's den, it doesn't, doesn't really matter, Lord. It doesn't really matter. So um, I think that that's uh, uh, what struck me as I really went through those first verses on Hebrew that I hadn't come across before when I looked at uh, Daniel chapter six. Yeah, that's great observation. He, he just does what he has always done. Um, and that, that's how he kind of takes a stand in this case. Uh, right. It's not um, a, a special prayer, though that maybe he did offer special prayers as well. Right. But yeah, it's right, right. just kind of saying, this is my life of faithfulness to the, the Lord, the God of grace, and I'm going to continue with that. Um, uh, yeah, unbothered by uh, these threats against me. Uh, Dan, would you like to pick it up from there, adding to um, anything Thomas said or uh, adding additional insights that uh, preachers could uh, benefit from? Yeah, absolutely. When you look at a lot of Bible story books on this true story, um, take a look at how Daniel's portrayed. Often like he's a teenager, right? But he's been in Babylon 60 years. He's he's pushing 80, if not already past 80. And so I, I think put that together with, so he receives the decree. He knows I'm not supposed to be praying to anyone but to, Dar to Darius. And yet he goes and does what he always does, as Tom pointed out. And then that first prayer, thankful. If I'm Daniel, I think I would have been a lot of complaints. Lord, I have been faithful to you for 60 years. This is how you repay me in my golden years? I have to go through this now? Well, th that's not fair. You know, and I think about that in my ministry. Man, I've been, you know, past for 25 years. So, Lord, I think you owe this to me to make the last third of my ministry to be nice and easy. And so I think you can make um, rolling over into application, just talk to your seasoned citizens to go, is that what you're expecting? You know, life is going to be easy, your golden years. What if they're not? How are you going to approach God? With thankfulness? Um, but then there were the, the prayers of supplication. So I'm sure Daniel's, he's a realist too, right? This is 80-year-old going up against lions. Yeah, this is not going to be very easy. But there's another line there too, right? Uh, you know, the roaring lion who is eating away at Daniel. And sure, you stood firm till now, but let's see if you can withstand this test. And so I just, you know, as I was thinking through this, I thought of um, 
you know, what the psalmist says in Psalm 63, right? Your love is better than life. I, I just imagine Daniel working that into a prayer. Lord God, you've been with, with, it, with me every step of the way in Babylon. You've given me the courage to stand firm with you before. Don't let me falter now. Help me keep believing what the psalmist wrote. Your love is better than life. Yes, for with your love, I have everything, forgiveness, peace, the promise of eternal life in heaven. Make me a bold witness for this truth, your glory, even now. Um, so, I, yeah, was he praying for deliverance? I'm, I'm sure. But, you know, if, if steadfast in faith, right, that's the overall theme. Um, it's not steadfast and I'm going to stand with God if he's going to stand with me and make life easy. No, I, I want to be a bold witness like Daniel to the very end. So those are some of the thoughts that um, I'd like to really dwell on. Okay. So can we say maybe that that's an idea for kind of preaching the law from this text, um, kind of contrasting the attitude that our flesh might have uh, with that of Daniel? Um, yeah. Are we, do we feel entitled to a life of ease or, you know, I've put in my hard struggle uh, in various ways to follow God. Um, shouldn't it be a little bit easier now? And when it's not kind of uh, pushing back against that. Um, any other ideas for, for preachers for kind of preaching the law or thoughts related to kind of a malady related to this text? Yeah, the <clears throat> I, I struggle a little bit with that because you can go very broad with this, and then obviously there's normal applications that you can have for Reformation Sunday. Um, but the, the some of the differences I think is sometimes it depends on where you are in the country. I, I, it's a funny because Dan, I came up with almost the same um, overall arching theme where just how God is faithful in all situations, but it wasn't necessarily some of the same applications as you, but a little bit different. I live in, you know, a very, uh, a fairly Christian part of the world in, in Alabama. And so one, one of the things I find that is very wrapped up is politics and religion, because that's kind of the overarching, poli you know, that's the overarching religion of the day. And so what, what I took out about it, as far as like a malady, or what I might touch on where we might fall or where we might sin, is taking a look at just the, the victory in Daniel and how awesome that is. Um, but then, you know, applying it to our, our lives and kind of a, a triumphant uh, cross instead of a, instead of a suffering cross and the, the, the concept of, of the, just as, as you take a look at Daniel, like he went into it with just this idea that maybe it'll work out well and maybe it won't. So, Sometimes there's this idea that if we're right and we're just and we're Christian, um, we, we can rail against society, we can rail against governments, we can rail against all of this stuff, and we can march into battle thinking we're going to be triumphant in everything that we do. And yet here you had Daniel that was 60 years, three different governments, I believe is what he served under and was taken as taken as a teenager. Like he, he worked for terrible governments the entire way through. And, and so anyway, so just kind of touching on sometimes we get this, 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 uh, this righteous uh, indignation and where we go all the way over to our strong Christian values and we rail on everything else that is around us instead of simply uh, working at and, um, 
simply just living our lives and getting into our regular routine of knowing who our Lord is. And, and you know what I mean? And so my, my malady would kind of be to, to struggle against from um, just the, the fight and the, the righteous indignation, because we know we live in a, an evil world and a broken world, but being able to just fall back and rely on the Lord and our relationship with him and know that he's going to be faithful for whatever, wherever we're at. No, those are really good thoughts. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, again, contrasting uh, that attitude with Daniel's, um, if I follow God, if I am loyal to him, then I, I should just go from success to success or something like that, almost a theology of glory type idea, um, you know, and it's it's me and God versus the world and us good guys versus the, the evil world out there or something to that effect. Um, yeah, right. I think that's great observation too, that Daniel, um, he serves where he is, uh, right? If it's one ungodly government, okay, I'll be faithful to the Lord. I'll do what I can. I'll leave things in the Lord's hands. And then of course, another ungodly government comes into, into a power and he just continues serving. So yeah, leaving success kind of to the Lord, but yeah, how often maybe we are uh, tempted to say, if, if I follow God faithfully, then I ought to have some success to show for it, right? Um, yeah, how about then? Maybe that yeah, plays in a little bit with uh, with the gospel text as well, because I mean, Jesus right, is pretty yeah. plain about, yeah. Yeah, so that, right, works with uh, the warnings Jesus gives as he sends out um, his workers um, how about uh, uh, further thoughts on that, Dan? Yeah, th thanks, John. Uh, so I think one of the specific law, you know, that you could apply is the Daniel's enemies are looking for something to accuse him of, and they can't in regard to his work record. He's honest, he's efficient, mm -hmm. and and that really is amazing considering who is he working for? Not just evil government, not just foreign government, but you came, you destroyed my city, you took me captive. Like he'd have every reason to sabotage, right? Right. Um, right. And yet he's he's faithful where he is. And so I just think of if Daniel would have been working at Walmart today, would he have extended his lunch break? Would he have dropped merchandise on purpose so he could buy it at a discount? You know, would he have mindlessly just wander the aisles, just killing time? Apparently not, right? Because they were spying on him and they couldn't find anything. Right. Um, so then I think about my own life and I go, you know, if someone spied on me, it wouldn't take very long for them to find, you know, where I had not always been faithful. Um, but then I think you really obviously want to get to the whole, the, the prayer part of it. As Steinman in his, the CPH um, commentary on Daniel, I think he does a good job of contrasting this with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he says, you know, with, with, with the three amigos, that definitely was a first commandment issue. You know, we're not going to bow down to your lousy idol. Um, here it, with Daniel, it's more of a third commandment issue. Um, stop praying, stop worshiping. And I think there's two ways Daniel could have gone with that. Number one, well, if I don't do this, I'm going to end up dead. And what good would I be to God's people? Yeah, yeah. Or I can just pray in my heart. So I'm not denying God and no one's the wiser, but you know, Daniel knew that would have been a denial of faith. And so no one has ever told me I can't worship. I can't pray. And so 
it, it really strikes me even worse when I realize how lame my prayer life is. What's getting in the way of that? Not some edict that would send me to the lion's den. It's my own apathy that gets in the way of piety. And I just think well, there, there's a lot of, you know, opportunity to confess my sins there uh, and say, oh, Lord, have mercy on me. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good applications there, too, of the law. Um, again, with the, our, the contrast with Daniel. Um, Tom? I was just going to say, Dan, I liked your, your, your practical application of taking an extended lunch break at uh, Walmart. You might even ask, you know, if I worked for what we would consider a good company like Chick-fil-A and it doesn't work on Sunday, am I more loyal to Chick-fil-A than working for the evil Starbucks? You know, so and at the end of the day, the Lord's called us where we're at and we really just need to be able to be, you know, live out our lives to it. And how often do we make that judgment call right. on, on our side? Um, when in reality, we're, we're not really reflecting what the Lord asked us to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and just there too, uh, um, a lot of times we use the excuse, well, I'm just so busy. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Daniel, who was his top administrator for a world power, you don't think he was busy? He didn't have computers. He didn't have cell phones to, to make things. He made time, you know, three times a day, formal worship. Um, and it just kind of makes me rethink, why am I so busy? You know, what's filling my busyness? Is it really things that matter? And if I'm honest, no. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of possible avenues here to let this text expose our weaknesses and our sinfulness um, and the way that plays out in different ways in our lives. Um, well, let's turn to uh, the gospel, preaching the gospel from this text or ways to preach Christ from this text. Um, I'm glad uh, Tom brought this up before, just the temptation to allegorize. Um, always, I think, yeah, temptation, especially a famous text like this. I think one way to help avoid that is to kind of respect the text as it is, as, you know, this is a real historical event. Um, this really happened to Daniel, and here is how God's grace and faithfulness played out in his life. And then, yeah, maybe move from there to kind of analogies in our lives and applications, but but not jumping immediately past Daniel and the lions to the right the metaphorical lions in our lives or something like that. But yeah, giving the giving the text its due and learning from it, applying it rather than allegorizing. But but let's uh, think about gospel themes that come across in uh, this text or how you might preach them. Ideas there for preachers. Go ahead, Tom. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I I came across something a while ago, uh, and it was I don't even remember where it was. It may have been in one of the sem classes on preaching on the Old Testament, and it gave like ten different ways to keep your Old Testament text Christocentric, right? And so going through it, it, it had it has got a lot. It's got a lot of good ideas for how to do that. I, I guess what I did. What, what I think what hit me the most, what I, I was trying to bring out in the gospel text, was uh, with with Christ's substitution, both active and passive obedience. Like, how does that play out in how does that play out in uh, uh, in, in in this account of Daniel and the lion's den? And, and not to make not to make Daniel a type of Christ, but just the the kind of sacrifice and. 
as I went, uh, and, and you could, you guys can tell if you like this or not, but this is what I was thinking. As I kind of went on the idea that, you know, so often we like to judge what our own righteousness is, uh, kind of that righteous indignation, and maybe decide what's best or what's not best. Um, just looking at even Christ's substitute of bringing that out in the New Testament. And I, I think so, some of the things along the lines were, and again, this is kind of contextually uh, the idea down here. It, when I live in a, in a more Christian society, there's always this idea to fight against uh, government, society, and everything else, which of course we should do. We shouldn't just let stuff happen. But but the idea of just rallying and, and, and fighting with those people around us rather than reaching out. And so along with that, kind of just picking my own righteousness of what I want to defend or what I want to bring out, we, we fail to bring out our own. And I look back to um, uh, how Christ, how Christ was so sacrificial, even in his passive obedience in some of these situations that he was in, where you know, he didn't strike out at, at the government. He did get angry at times, like with the money changers. And, you know, even when Lazarus died, the, the wording there, when he cried, it was really just a, a just a, a yelling out or, or in anguish over death. Like he was upset that, that this was happening. But there was other times where he just passively just kept going on his way. And you probably think of some, I was thinking of the time when Jesus, when they, when he was preaching and they were going to throw him off the cliff and he just stopped and walked through the crowd. Like there was no chastising. There wasn't anything else. There was just a focus on what he was going to do. Um, or, or even the time that sometimes baffles people when, you know, Peter talks about uh, that he'd never leave Jesus and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Like, why, why would you say that? And it was just the idea of, of willingly walking forward and knowing what he was going to do that that passive or uh, active obedience of of carrying out the father's will and then probably the most the, the biggest one and a lot of times it comes back to this is just in the garden of gethsemane where you know he prayed what he prayed um and went forward to be our savior so i, I that that's where i was kind of drawing out i think the, the christ's uh redemptive or christ's sacrificial life and death for us in regards to the specific gospel and that. Okay. Okay. So yeah, pointing out how Jesus goes forward willingly uh, with determination. Um, yeah. And doesn't back down from that and, and seeing the grace that's there for us in that, uh, that resolute attitude that he has. Uh, Dan, some thoughts about uh, preaching the gospel from this text. I think it's all often helpful to contrast the characters in the text with Jesus to show how they are so different. So here's an example. Um, I think it's neat how verse 14 says that the king, King Darius, made every effort to save Daniel until sundown. Did he really make every effort? <laughs> there was one more thing he could have done. Wasn't it his arrogance that had landed Daniel in the den? Yeah. Shouldn't he have said, you know, Daniel, I made the mess. I'm going to clean it up. I'm going to go to the den for you. Well, what king would do that? King Jesus, right? Ooh, I, 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 I think just bringing that in to, that just makes you go, wow. And, and why did Jesus do that? Not because I am innocent, but just the opposite, right? And so he went down there, he took our place. And in so doing, um, what did he accomplish? He, he shuts the mouth of Satan, right? And, and you can bring in Romans 8, you know, who will condemn us? No one, right? Because my king has taken my place and here I am, I'm, I'm safe, I'm secure. And so I think that's a really um, a neat way. I think you, you keep that text color there and I think you just just pause and, and let that sink in 
Um, and for me, I don't know, it's, it's helpful. And hopefully for my people, it's helpful too. So mm-hmm. it's a thought that I had. Okay. Yeah, Tom. Yeah, I, I, I'm really glad I tuned into the Preacher's Podcast today because that's my theme right there. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate that. <laughs> Good. That's what we're here for. Uh, we're here to serve. So, um, so uh, yeah, the faithfulness uh, of Jesus. Um, so maybe combining a couple thoughts there with what you guys have said, um, pointing out our sin of, yeah, the, the apathy that's there or the misguided, uh, I'll be loyal if, and here's what I expect as a reward for that. Um, uh, contrasting that with uh, Daniel and uh, in Jesus, who goes forward and just says, um, I'll be loyal to the Father's plan to save. Uh, and that involves me giving up my life, but absolutely, I'm willing to do that. Uh, the king willing to sacrifice himself for us. Dan? Yeah, and just to add, I mean, and, and I don't know if I would put this in the sermon, but maybe it's more Bible study material, but um, think of how often that's just restated how Darius is, he's bound to the laws of the Medes and Persians, you know, because you think he's a king, he can just do whatever he wants, but they keep coming back to that. And it's hard for us, I think, in our culture today to understand that, but um, think of how that applies to a holy God. He is bound to his holiness. He can't just sweep our sins under the rug, right? He has to stay true and faithful to himself. So then you could you could lead up to that of how then Jesus is unlike Darius and he takes our place. But I think there's another contrast too that you could make where God did spare Daniel from the mouth of the lions. He did not spare his son, mm-hmm. right? He let him be crushed uh, for our sins. So I guess I should have said that earlier. I think it would have fit in a little bit better, but... No, that's a good thought from Romans 8. Yeah. Uh, uh, what about um, further applications for your listeners? Um, uh, so given the context of, of Reformation and kind of the overall theme from the gospel, especially from Matthew 10, uh, staying steadfast in the face of pressure, being strengthened to do that by the faithfulness and steadfastness of our Savior, um, and of God's promises that are unshakable. Um, what about like, is this appropriate to bring out sanctification applications at this point? Um, learning from something from Daniel here, and maybe it comes across kind of obviously the faithfulness he showed. But but uh, what might you have to share with um, your congregations as you draw out some applications from? Uh, both law and gospel and sanctification thoughts. Go ahead, to go first, Tom. I'll go yeah, first. Yeah, I do. <laughs> All right. I'm writing this stuff down. So I, I'm working on my sermon for Sunday, Dan. So <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I think, I think really all of it is just the, um, grows out of the, the law and the gospel, right? And I think maybe you make your applications as you go along. But so going back to, you know, some of the things that Tom has already said, um, yeah, we live in a lousy society. You know, my boss is crummy, uh, but that's no excuse, right, for dishonesty. Um, um, just like Jesus, you just continued to serve faithfully, as did Daniel. And I think maybe another good thing to bring out is, sure, he's a prophet, but what's his day job? He's a bureaucrat. You know, he lives in a dog-eat-dog world. So don't think that your life is more difficult than his life was, right? So this is not, he's not some super Christian that there's no way I can achieve this. You know, 
who opened his mouth to be such a bold confessor? It's Christ. You know, and of course you can make that connection with Luther who opened his mouth to be so bold. Again, it's Christ, the Holy Spirit standing with him. Um, so I think, I think some of those applications um, just in their lives. Great. Tom, uh, further thoughts? Yeah, those are, those are great thoughts, Dan. I, I had, again, in thinking through this previously, I kind of focused more on some of the prayer aspects and the regular aspect of, of Daniel's life. Uh, I really like your concept of he was a bureaucrat. It's interesting, too. I think Daniel is one of the few guys in the Bible where there's no negative stories about him. I'm, I, I think I'm right on that. Uh, but then, you, you know, you get to now where he's been in the kingdom for 60 years. And why is that? You look at some of the regular things, the regular worship, the regular prayer that got him through all of these different changes and the just the, the, the different governments and everything else. So some of the applications I was thinking of going along with is looking at that, that prayer, uh, like what do we, what do we pray for? You know, if, if we're focusing on just success and we're focusing on, Lord, get me through this difficult situation, it's not always an accurate prayer. And I'll get into just one illustration that popped in my head and, and I'll, I'll share it with you. And I don't know exactly how this would go into the, the Reformation, but it kind of ties on a little bit what Dan said, too, is, you know, when you get to the Reformation Sunday, it's not just a history lesson in what Luther did. I mean, you really have to fight it. Well, maybe you don't have to fight, but it, you, you want to mention it at some point. But sometimes we also idolize Luther and thinking he's such a great guy. But I think he obviously would have thought so different. What if it would have turned out differently? You know, Luther's life before, had he been killed by the Roman Empire, I, I'm guessing that some of the, the things that he that he did as well, uh, his prayer life and going back to the gospel and drawing strength on our on, on God's grace to us, would have played out. So anyways, the same thing with our application, like how do we pray in the face of difficulties or challenges in our life? How do we pray in what we may perceive as a negative cultural influence in our life or our country going down the drain or the difficulties of neighbors that are living alongside of us or just the nastiness that's in the world? How do we pray? Do we pray, Lord, um, I want your kingdom come so you can take all those nasty people out there and send them to hell? Or you know, how, how do we rely on God's providence? And I heard this illustration and I thought it was, it was decent. Um, I, I heard a guy talking about, you know, he was reflecting back on the 9-11 events and how, how in traumatic situations like that, they're, they're very, they shake a person's faith, core values, because if you believe in a good God, there's only so many, there's only so many things that you can conclude about a day like 9-11 where thousands died. Right. He said, but you, you have to look at the faithfulness of God and his providence overall. So, you know, on the first point, he said, there's always God's protection. You look at um, uh, on, on 9-11, there should have been about 50,000 people in the two towers. And you probably find this online, but there was much less than that because it was an election day. So a lot of people had stayed away. There was also a huge uh, breakdown in public transportation system. So there was less people there than were supposed to be there. And you could look at there's God's protection. But he went on, he said, you could also look at God's um, preservation. So sometimes you might call it blind luck, but you might say God also preserves us very specifically and sometimes. And he told a story of, of uh, it, was, it, was, it was Stairwell 9 and a lady by the name of Josephine Harris, who the, after the first plane went in, 
the bunch of firefighters went up to get her down. She was handicapped. She only made it about halfway down. She said, I can't go any farther. And so the firemen, this is what firemen do, said, okay, we're going to stay with you. And they were in the stairwell. And then the building crashed down. And the only thing that survived was that one stairwell, right? So there's a case of God's faithfulness and preservation. And you might look at that like Daniel and the lion's den. Here, God protected it. But then he also talked about God's uh, presence, uh, protection, preservation, presence. And he told the story of Todd Beamer. He was the guy, he was a Sunday school teacher. He was on the phone. He's the guy that said, let's roll when they were going to go crash the cart and down flight 93 uh, that was heading towards, uh, that was heading towards the White House. And Todd Beamer didn't come out of it. And yet God was still there, right? In both protection, preservation, and presence. And just the idea of, okay, before we get in to decide what's going to happen, let's rely back on the grace of God who has called us to be his own. Let's continue to worship him and pray to him like we always had. And no matter what the outcome is, let's trust that he is faithful and leave it in his hands as how he carries out his will in the world. And that just struck me as far as application and illustrations for that. Yeah, great. Yeah, I, I appreciate how you've mentioned, uh, both of you mentioned in different ways, um, you know, You've got parallels with Luther and his life here and uh, taking a stand on the truth. Um, but yeah, I, what I've done too is, you know, try to steer away from kind of Luther as hero. Um, I mean, Daniel is maybe, it's unavoidable. He is kind of a, a hero of faith, uh, as we've noted. But still, um, emphasizing with Luther, especially the struggles that he went through. I mean, you know, am I good enough for God? Can I... And then why he took the stand on the gospel was because of the comfort it, it gave, and he did not want to sacrifice that for himself or for anybody in the future, uh, and we're beneficiaries of that, of course. Uh, but really, it's God's grace that sustained Daniel, that sustained him, to kind of put the spotlight on that. Or going back to the gospel reading, too, you know, it's it's more than Jesus saying to his disciples, things are going to get tough, but, you know, I believe in you guys, you can do it. Um, it's, you know, I'll, I'll be with you. So you, Tom, yeah. you mentioned the, the presence, the preservation, uh, the providence of God there. Um, so to kind of shine the spotlight on even in our weakness, in our struggles, in our impossible situations. Um, yeah, the, the steadfastness of God that's there. Um, I think that comes across as comforting, um, and helps us steer away from kind of, uh, idolizing Luther or, or something like that on a day like today. Yeah. Uh, any theme ideas that you're considering or working with or uh, kind of uh, crystallizing a main thought that might be helpful to preachers? Uh, Dan, would you like to go first? Sure. Um, I think I've been tipping my hand, but you know, just because I do think of the different lines that are the animals and of course the roaring lion, but then, you know, how can you not think of the line of Judah? Um, who is standing firm with Daniel. Uh, it was he who opened Daniel's mouth to continue to pray, to continue to be thankful when he had every reason to gripe and complain. Um, so I just saw a theme, uh, stand firm with the lion, and then in parentheses of Judah, stand firm against all lions. And then just working your way through that, you know, who are the lions? Yeah, um, God does protect and preserve us from physical harm, but let's deal with what is you know, the, the biggest harm is to our faith, you know, where we give into apathy um, or fear or um, the, the grumpiness that we talked about, you know, even in, or, or this, um, 
I deserve to be treated better by God because I'm 80 and I served him in the church council for 60 years. And now this is happening. Why, you know? Right. Okay. So picking up on that lion image mm -hmm. uh, as a picture for our savior, that kind of a, a cool way to make that connection. Uh, Tom, any ideas for themes or main thoughts for preachers? Yeah, I'm going with Dan's. No, okay. <laughs> I had, I actually had one, but I'm just going to throw it out as a distant B because it was it was it was much lamer. Um, but you know, thinking it through, uh, thinking it through, there's probably there's there's a ton of different themes when you get into it on how to go to this. And then you throw into Reformation mix, and there's a whole bunch of other options there too. But um, I I think what I was going to try to do was come across like Reformation or retail salesmen, right? So instead of or sorry, reformer or retail salesmen. So you know, looking at all of these these strong men of faith, like uh, like uh, a Daniel or a reformer, sometimes we sometimes we idolize them and we put them up on a pedestal. But really, at, at the end of the day, um, what what both of them had was an, an, an understanding of their own sinfulness, their inadequacies, and their weaknesses, and the grace of God, which had transformed them into something that they were not. So whether you are whether you are facing a huge challenge or your life is put on the line or whether it's whether it comes in you know the retail salesman lunchroom at at Walmart or wherever it is you know here's where the Lord still influences us with His sacrifice and His faithfulness uh, that He gives to us. So you don't have to be a reformer to to know the grace and the courage and the power of God because He's given to this. And I, I think that's kind of where I was going to go. Okay. Yeah, wherever God has placed you, wherever you are serving, there's an opportunity to, to experience his faithfulness and to respond with faithfulness. Yeah, great. All right, well, let's wrap it up for today. Thank you very much, Dan and Tom. Um, and uh, preachers, God bless you as you continue working with uh, Daniel chapter 6 and proclaiming God's grace and steadfastness through the Reformation.